Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. All right, I'm Father Jeff Lurie. Welcome to the EquipCast. I am joined uh, with uh, Jim Jansen here from the Office of Evangelization and in, in Catechesis. And... Uh, uh, it's good to have you. Good to see you again. It feels like it's been uh, a day since we've talked, but uh, it feels like it's been two weeks since uh, we've been on, done this equipped cast. Actually, we've been so. together. Yeah, you're right. And uh, we've, we've apparently regressed like several months because right, at, at the time of recording, there's a lot of snow on the ground. I know. That's, uh, we just went back in time, but it's sunny here in, uh, at, at 40th and Webster next to the cathedral. So it's good to, good to see the, the sun out. Uh, well, Jim, uh, you have this, I'll just say you have this rambling rant that goes on and on. And I've heard it for three years now since I've worked with you about and best we just practices. thought we'd record it, right? For everybody. Yeah, <laughs> just might as well get it on tape. You can just hit play. Or, or whatever that is in the cloud. I think they have tapes in the cloud. I don't know how, I don't know how it works. But uh, yeah, finally, we're going to record this, this rant that you've had for uh, several, uh, several years about best practices and it, it sort of grates you, I get the sense. Mm-hmm. So this is my observation. This is a good one-on-one manager, supervisor feedback right, yeah. for you. I get the sense that you uh, get really irritated when people talk about, we need to have best practices, we need to have best practices. And, and you keep saying, best practices aren't the best practice. Uh, there's gotta be something more. Uh, there's, there's something missing. And because we know, I think we've all tried it before, we've all tried some best practices in stewardship or uh, some conversion engine like alpha we've, mm-hmm. or, or small groups uh, said, okay, the best practice is we need to have food at our small group. Well, it didn't work. Like nobody yeah. showed up, but they told us we needed food, but nobody was there. So like this best practice isn't the best practice. So oftentimes we just drop yes. it like, well, maybe it didn't work. Um, maybe that, that wasn't the best practice or maybe it's not possible for our parish. It's just uh uh, it, just, it can be this really misleading thing uh, oh, that, yeah. that takes us down the wrong path. So what, I'll, I'll end my rant and let you move forward with yours. Well, I think, I mean, I think that's the heart. What you just said there is I, I hate seeing laborers in the vineyard get discouraged. Uh, I heard somebody uh, once say that, uh, that false expectations are just pre, premeditated resentments. That, that when we have an expectation that isn't realistic, like, well, I'm just going to imply this best practice and everything's going to be fine. When we have, when we have false expectations, uh, they end up becoming resentments because what we hope for never actually comes to, to fruition. And man, I hate, I hate seeing laborers in the vineyard get stuck and disappointed when they're like, yep, yep, been there, done that. We tried that and it didn't work. Um, and I, I feel like what we're, what we're going to talk about today really cuts across every type of ministry. I mean, I don't care whether it's, you said this well, right? I don't care if it's an educational best practice, whether we're talking about an evangelization best practice, stewardship, really all forms of ministry struggle, I think, with this, this central idea. And that is trying a best practice is a little bit like planting a seed and paying no attention whatsoever to the soil that it's planted in. Uh, so I'll give like a personal example here. Uh, you know, some of you know, I just, just uh, 
ventured in, had a little agricultural adventure uh, that's about a year old now. This is going to be a big spring for me because I planted fruit trees, apple trees and pear trees. And I was shocked to, to, to figure out like just how much work they were. Um, and I mean, it's, you know, I knew you don't just like plant an apple seed and, you know, get apples uh, uh, the, the next year. But the labor to, to tend the soil, to put these like, you know, these posts and support structures up to make sure that they, uh, you know, that they don't grow over. I mean, I actually, they don't fall over. I actually had a, um, uh, actually got fruit my first year because I was, you know, planting a tree that was uh, about a year and a half, two years old. And it actually had some pears on it. But I had to work really hard to, to stake things up and to tie it up so the pears didn't actually break the tree. Because as the fruit grew, it started to, uh, it started to overload this young tree's ability to support it. And I think that could be an extended metaphor for us. We all want fruit. Again, educational, stewardship, whatever. Like we want, we want changed hearts and lives. And when we see some other ministry, like, oh, this curriculum promises to change hearts and lives or this retreat or this methodology or whatever it is. No, you just have to have pizza and then the young people will come, right? Whatever it is, like when we see, when we see the fruit of changed lives, we immediately look to the best practice and think, okay, that's the cause. Yeah, that's the silver bullet. Yeah, but in fact, there's a lot of other stuff that has to be in play, right? This, again, leaning into the analogy, the soil type, the support structures, all those things have to be in play if we're actually going to produce any lasting fruit. Um, so that's, that I think is, I mean, this, I love like some of our veteran ministers. I, I see a lot of like, uh, you know, friendly faces and uh, folks that I recognize. Um, I think I love it when our, our, uh, our pastors talk about this because there's, there's this kind of internal division in our hearts. Yeah, like, we, we want a silver bullet. We want a quick fix. We want something easy that we can just do that's going to fix everything. But in our heart of hearts, we know that that's not enough. And I'm hoping we can have a conversation today to talk about like, okay, what are the other things that need to be in place so that we actually get that fruit that we desire? Because we have yeah, to the Lord wants that too. I mean, I think I have some examples. Uh, I, I, just from my own experience of trying to start things. And then, you know, you look over at the next church next door, or you look over in Baltimore and you see what goes on at the church and nativity that father Michael White has. He wrote the book yeah. rebuilt and you just think, okay, well they have, what do they do differently? Oh, they did the ME 25, which is the Gallup sort of engagement survey. Yes, and, yeah. and they're even, they're even mentioned in the book, like the growing and engaged church book. And, and so yeah. as much as I believe in engagement and all that stuff, like it wasn't just like they did a survey and all of a sudden their church just was transformed. It was, it was a part of a, a larger thing. So the best practice is to survey your people, see how they're doing, make sure they're engaged based on these 12 elements of, of engagement right. that Gallup yeah. really recommends. But I'm not naive enough to, to, to think that that's the only thing you need. But I think oftentimes we do fall into that trap of, you could easily just, you could tune in, you could go to the website. First of all, you could go to the website at Church and mm -hmm. Nativity in Baltimore and you can see, Oh, I just need a better website. And right. that's, that's what's helping that parish. They're actually building a new church. Like they've expanded so much that, that in this day and age, they right. said, but everybody else is losing attendance and everybody, you know, it's like, 
you know, like some of our parishes, you know, they've been doing social distancing before it was required because everybody could easily sit six feet apart. Yeah, so best practices to do the, the ME25 survey, the best practices have a really engaging website, the best practices, to, they do contemporary music, oh, we need this kind of music. And, and those best practices in isolation uh, really lead to the resentment, because like, you become disappointed and it's, you fall into this illusion that, oh yeah, we just need that. And it almost never works. The only thing, I think when, when you do alpha, mm-hmm. you do it really, really well, and and the pastor is engaged in it and you, many of your mm-hmm. key leaders are engaged alpha can actually be contagious it can spread throughout the rest of your yeah. your parish but i think what you're trying to get at is there's, there's more than a best practice it's about a culture that you build or it's, it's right. this best practice within a larger framework it's planting yes. a seed within a larger framework of of you know gardening yeah well is that, so- that's what you're saying yeah, so let's talk about right. Let's talk about culture because that's a great that's a great example, um, right? If culture is what we celebrate and what we tolerate, um, culture is either going to have this accelerating effect on a program or a ministry that we run, or it's going to be this this toxic um, thing that is that is secretly sucking the life out of uh, what we hope for from again. Pick it. it was an educational initiative or a stewardship initiative or an evangelization initiative. Um, so I'll give you an example, right, from religious education. If we do some nights, right, if we do parent nights to engage the parents and we have some good food and, you know, we, we, try, and, we try and bring them in and we've got like a, an engaging guest speaker. If that is a radical exception to a culture that basically enables parents to just drop their kids off, and that unintentionally sends the message, please leave it to the professionals. Don't try this at home. Like if that's the cultural feel of our religious education programs, no matter how good the food is for a parent night, we're never gonna engage parents as deeply as we want. Um, There's a culture there that is tolerating parental disengagement. And unless we can begin to shift that culture the coolest parents night in the world aren't, aren't going to really grab their hearts. Right. It's like, yeah. soy. that's, that's poisonous. Yeah. I, so I have been reading this book. Uh, it's not rebuilt, but they wrote another book. Some from this parish uh, hmm. in, in Baltimore church of nativity. And uh, the book is about uh, fundraising or not fundraising as much as like funding the mission. I think I can't remember the name of it, but if mm-hmm. you just go, and do the Amazon search for Father Michael White or Rechurch or Rebuilt Church. You'll find it. But just in the first couple chapters, he he says that culture is a potent brew of mm-hmm. knowledge, belief, and behavior. And Ooh, uh, like that. and and so we're kind of mixed. It like so. What he found when he got into his parish, he could do all these nice things and good things that were best practices, but the culture was so dysfunctional. And, and really not a missionary culture whatsoever, perhaps not even a Christian culture here. He really kind of slams the, the whole previous administration. I hopefully, hopefully that pastor's dead because uh, I would hate for him to have to read many of those things. But Yikes. yeah, I mean, I don't hope that somebody's dead. That's not what I'm I saying. Believe- you know what, you no, know I know. I was like, I was just thinking, it's like, wow, he just, he just said, I hope he's dead. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> as, as a way of being kind. 
<laughs> yeah, I just hope we didn't have to read that. It'd be better. It'd be better to be dead than have to read that. And, yeah. and it's, I'm sure it's not the, the previous pastor's fault because that is the culture that we we live in. Uh, in many ways, our, our churches are experiencing it. It's not just you know that pastor's fault. I I, I have been a pastor. I have pastored a, a dysfunctional culture before I, or I've been an associate pastor pastor and hopefully we've kind of moved it around and, and shifted things because we changed our beliefs. We changed our behaviors and we, we changed yes. our knowledge. Um, but you, you kind of have to get at the, at the heart of things. I think, I think probably what we experienced like here locally and, and many of our leaders uh, who might have may experience it, they might experience like uh so I think you have a lot of people who are doing small groups now, um, mm-hmm. the small group initiative that you and, and your office have been putting on. We would say small groups is a best practice for, for, en- for sure. engaging and, and helping people yeah. grow in discipleship. We've seen a successful in focus. We've seen, you know, it's successful in evangelical churches. It's successful in acts too. Yep. <laughs> so it's kind of been around a while. It's, it's, it's good it's, pedigree. Yep. Yeah. It's successful in Curcio or CEC, all those things. Um, but I, I think what you the, it'll probably die out unless somebody is saying this is part of a bigger structure. Like it's part uh, of a, yeah. a discipleship model or program. Well, and, and I would say leadership too, right? So if we look at like culture is just kind of below the surface, right? It's that soil that the tree is trying to go in. Leadership is a, is, is a little, is a little deeper in that. Like I totally believe, yeah, but you know, small groups are, it's not just a best practice. It's like the best of the best. And yet small groups can totally go awry and stagnate and die if there's not leadership. I mean, there has to be, there has to be real leadership for, uh, for any best practice to continue and to, to flourish. And I, I mean, I think of a, a couple examples. A lot of people are familiar with the, the program, That Man Is You. And uh, I, you know, one of my first years, uh, or relatively new to a parish, uh, before I came to the Archdiocese, I was part of a That Man Is You, and I was amazed. I mean, they, there were like 60 guys up at 5.30 a.m. having donuts, going through these videos before they went to work, and they had small groups as a part of it. They had like you know, pretty dynamic presentation in these videos and, and these questions before people broke up into the small groups. And you could see that the lights were going on on these people. I mean, they were just really, they, they, like the guys were really being impacted. And then they went to the second year series and they went from like 50 the first year and then they went down to 30. And then they did it one more time and then they were down to 10. And then they couldn't do it anymore. And it died. It went for three years and then it totally disappeared. And then when any, whenever anybody would talk about, well, what if we did something for the men of the parish? People who were involved with that, who had gotten a little bitter said, no, 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 we, we, we've, we've been there. We tried that, you know. And th- to be clear, there was nothing wrong with that man is you. The problem was nobody was ever raised up as a leader. And the guys who were responsible for getting up at 4.30 to go get the donuts were like, oh, I'm kind of tired. There was no succession plan of leaders. Nobody was being developed. The impact that, that these men were experiencing um, in their small groups and in that time in the mornings, no leaders were there to walk with them and capitalize on that. And that, I, I'm sad to say, I think that's the typical MO 
But there's a notable exception, which I think proves the rule. Um, St. Mary's in Bellevue, our very, very own uh, Mary Bell in Nebraska. Uh, there that man is you. I don't know what, what year they're on, but they have been going for a long, long time. And they're continuing with great numbers. Uh, and, and the secret sauce is a guy named Deacon Ted Menzel, right? And of Equipcast fame, Mark Nelson, he used to work uh, for St. Mary's in Bellevue. Like they, they took the opportunity and they developed men as small group leaders. And they met with the people afterwards and they, they supplemented what they were doing with their retreat to take, to take people deeper. And it was their leadership that made all the difference. And even more of a testimony to their leadership, even now that Mark has moved on, uh, the program continues to flourish and grow because they called other people into leadership. It didn't it's almost stay like on a, them. Like a culture of leadership too. Like yeah. I think what was built in um, probably fairly early was we need to develop leaders and then we need to develop new leaders. We can't just rely on kind of the first crew. We have to have the second layer of leaders. We have to keep thinking about who are going to be the next leaders. So it's, I always think it's, it's uh, as much as we say that there's other parts of this tree, uh, like there's leadership or there's structure mm -hmm. or there's some other things, you know, uh, yeah. vision, you know, those are all important. Of course, we'll have a chance to talk about them all. Yeah. Um, but I think the culture is the potent brew. Like it is, mm -hmm. it, and then, but how do you create the culture? Well, leadership, leader, yeah, vision, structure. Um, but I, I can just think of uh, again, like Alpha is a great, another great example, or Discovering Christ, which I think many of our our listeners are, are familiar with, because um, mm -hmm. it's uh, many of them have tried it and they're doing it, and I think a lot of them are doing it well throughout the Archdiocese. Uh, really, that stuff began after the vision was was cast for the Archdiocese of Omaha to, yeah. you know, encounter Jesus, equip disciples, live mercy. And so, okay, what are we going to do to help, help people to grow in discipleship, to help them encounter Jesus? So, well, let's do Alpha. Let's do uh, Discovering Christ, and, which is awesome. But I think a lot of parishes probably have experienced a really big first year, but then yes. maybe some dwindling numbers um, for, a, for a variety of reasons. So they could even do it perfectly. Um, but I would say, first of all, uh, there's a, there's a culture of alpha. There's, a, I know more about alpha than I do about the other one, but, mm -hmm. uh, there's, there, there's a best way to do alpha. There's, uh, Father Mallon talks about, there's 10 different ways to kill alpha in your parish. Yeah. So that's a podcast you can listen to on divine renovation. Yep. Highly recommended. Link highly recommended. Yeah. Cause it, it's, uh, but it, so there's, there's best ways to do alpha. And, and I would say a lot of parishes probably, probably aren't even doing the best ways. They've already found ways to kill it um, accidentally. Um, but, but I think a lot, of, a lot of pastors have probably been experiencing, well, this thing isn't working or I can't get, it's, it's another thing I have to get volunteers for, you know, and I don't have anybody to help. And so there's, yeah. there's already a culture there that's, of, that's sort of missing the, the idea that I have, to, I have to form new leaders who need to form new leaders, who need to form yep. new leaders. I mean, leadership, or put another way, um, disciples who have matured to the point that they're actually missionary disciples, like that's the currency that our parishes run on. Um, I mean, you can't, you can, you can pay professionals, you can buy all the best programs and, and ministries and try and apply best practices, and without a missionary disciple to implement it, it's going nowhere. I mean, and that's, say, it, that's, say, say your premise again. The currency the church the, runs on the, is yeah. The currency the church runs on is missionary disciples. Money that's, helps. 
money, money helps, right? <laughs> but, but ultimately, I mean, let's look at the fruitfulness of you. I think you brought this up last time. The, the German church is rich. Um, the uh, underground church in China is poor. Uh, the, the Church of Acts of the Apostles, very poor. No institutions, no buildings, uh, you know, no tax money, no religious freedom, on and on and on. They didn't even have a complete copy of the scriptures. But, but the Church of Acts of the Apostles and an underground church of China smokes us in fruitfulness, in the fruit we desire, because they are full of disciples with missionary hearts. Yeah, so it's a culture. I dropped the mic, uh, but the mic is in my laptop, and yeah. I don't want to drop the. Yeah, so so the best practices, again, all have to fit into a larger picture. Yeah. Uh, a, a culture, and the culture is going to be developed by what you celebrate and what you tolerate, and yes. and, and I think this, and it, it has a lot to do with leadership and who, who's who's communicating that. But I think the other ingredient to your tree is uh is vision so yes when you planted the seed you said uh, my my preferred future is that i have a tree that right. bears fruit yeah. and if i, I mean, never have a vision why even plant the seed yeah i mean so you alluded to right so so you alluded to the, the interesting thing happened here in the archdiocese of omaha right for all of our you know friends in the underground church in china who are listening uh <laughs> about so. about three years ago uh uh, Archbishop Lucas and a small group of trusted advisors did a lot of prayer and listening and reflection and really charted a vision for the, the future um, focused on culture. Interesting thing, when you read the vision and priorities, uh, it, it is create a culture of encountering Jesus and equipping disciples, a culture of unity, a culture of mercy. And that vision has already affected and, cha- and changed uh, the culture of the, of the parishes. You, you mentioned so many, not that it's been perfect, but so many parishes have begun new initiatives to foster people's encountering of Jesus precisely because of the vision and priorities. Uh, there was no mandate. There was no, I mean, it was just this kind of organic thing that the vision itself, what if we were a place where when people came to us, they encountered Jesus. That caught people, that vision of, of that destination, uh, having parishes with cultures like that, that captured people's imagination and they just immediately began to, to go out and, and start, you know, best practices, ministries and programs that were designed uh, to foster conversion. Um, and and that's, that's the power of a vision. When you, when you give people a, a picture of here's where we're going, Right here's why we exist. That's that's powerful stuff. Um, and if you don't have a vision, or you have a really fuzzy vis- vision, man, like that's like every best practice and program needs that in order to flourish. Again, I'll, let's let's take a stewardship one, right? Like if if you want if you if you put the best rhythm and articulation. Uh, around your stewardship practices, you know, you have a nice calendar and you're inviting people in and you're doing all of the kind of the, you know, best practices of stewardship and development. But your culture is one where you're pursuing people's uh, giving only on their, right, only on, in their social, right, their, 
their their social uh, income and their uh, their their disp- their disposable income, and you're not going deeper. And actually, th- no, we actually have a vision here that this community is going to change the world, and your financial giving is just a part of enabling that to happen. Um, that that we have a dream here that everybody is a disciple of Jesus Christ, and our giving is just an overflow of that. Like if, if, you're, if your invitational landscape to financial commitment is clouded with candy bars and magazines and other fundraisers and people aren't actually being invited to give as an overflow of their love for Christ and their life as a disciple, that without that vision, without those, that culture in place, all the best practices in the world aren't going to really bear any lasting fruit. Yeah, I've just been thinking about, it's easy, well, maybe it's not easy. It hasn't been easy for me uh, in my current position where I'm not the pastor. There's another guy who wears a little red hat and carries a stick around. He's the pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I, I know that feeling of being like, oh, I get it. Wouldn't it be great if we could do this? Wouldn't it be Mm -hmm. great if we could do that? And feeling sort of stuck in third or fourth positions or, you know, whatever, second chair, like, you know, I'm, I'm not, a, and not that the archbishop is against these things. Um, but, it, but, but I, I certainly have, I've been itching to be in charge. Not that I want to be the bishop, but, <laughs> I want, but I, I'm itching, but I'm just feeling for some of the people, pretty much all the people who are uh, tuned in today. Right. Um, I don't think we have any pastors on. I haven't really checked, but um, we have some future. We have some people who are, everybody's a leader here. I know that. Right. And so we have, we have the sphere of influence for sure. Or we, we can, we can lead, mm-hmm. we can change the culture. We can change the vision. We can change the, our beliefs about that wherever we have some influence, that's for sure. So I, I don't want to feel, make it feel like it's hopeless, but I do right. wonder if some people are listening and thinking, Oh, there's Father John Norman's on. Thanks, Christine. Uh, but I, I uh, but I was actually thinking about Christine. Like Christine is yeah. French. She's the cha- chaplain at uh, campus minister at, at Catholic High School. Right. And just thinking, well, that's a machine. Like you know, like she she's got an office there. It is sort of at the heart of the building. And it's yeah. not that Scott Scott is a bad school by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's really amazing, and the things are happening there. Um, but it's like, how, how does Christine have? how can she do this? Like, how, yeah, well, I'm sure she has a dream of a, like the whole school's producing missionary disciples left and right. And she only has so much influence. Yeah. Well, and I mean, for all of us, right. Big institutions sometimes can make us feel really powerless. You know, we're like, Oh crap, I can't change this. And the key, here's the, here's the irony. Like the key is small groups of people with a shared vision and a shared culture. So all of like, there are people who like, I mean, they're they're paid millions of dollars to advise hospitals on how they can change uh, their safety practices. And what they recommend is one, one floor at a time, one shift at a time. You find a group of doctors and nurses that are willing to embrace this new safety practice and you just get them. And so for all of those here, like everybody, you know, everybody here has their own little tribe, their own little sphere of influence. And to influence that little pocket of culture, like create a vision for that small little group. 
your family, your team, your little group of coworkers, and create a vision there and create a culture there. Um, because that can be replicated, but trying to change everybody at once, like that's just not, this is not the way people work. We tend to move in herds. So mm-hmm. start with a, a few around you and, and move forward that way. I think, I think the vision is important too. Uh, you know, in, in your own sphere of influence, it's also important that, so that you have a vision so you know what to stop doing. Oh, uh, well, how do you know, how do you know what to take on a journey and what to leave behind unless you know where you're going? I mean, vision is the destination. Where are we headed? And if you know where you're headed, I mean, I'm going on a hunting trip uh, this, this weekend with my 13-year-old boy, Josh. And because it's a hunting trip, right? And because there's snow on the ground now, I mean, like, you know, sandals are not good. I don't need to worry about the sandals. There's a lot of things that I can immediately rule out from my packing list because I know where we're going and I know what we're doing. And the same same thing's true of our communities. You're a man of metaphors. That is why you have one of your strengths is communication. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think you're right. And I, so I will think of, uh, since, since uh, Christine let me know that Father Norman is here, you know, Father Norman is in a, in a difficult position. So Father Norman is out there in Antelope County and a little bit of Holt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about two and a half hours west of Omaha. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, many people know in pastoral planning, we had to kind of adjust things, reorg, do a reorg of resources, primarily our priests. And mm-hmm. so he was willing to take on kind of a big circle out there. It's right now, he's got six churches and he's about to get uh, 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 what is it? Yeah. Two more. Yeah. Six churches and he'll get two more. And he has a good, he's good help there for sure. Um, so now basically we just handed him a bunch of really difficult circumstances and structures that he has to work through that now he has to think, well, how am I supposed to, I want to, the trip I want to go on is I want to, I want this church to be fruitful. I want, I want to make missionary yeah. disciples, but I've got all these things in the way now. Like, you know, I got to worry about how do I, I've got like six different um, budgets I have to work on. I have six different finance councils. I have six different mm-hmm. HR problems. I have six different, yeah, you know, go down the line. And uh, that I do feel for him in that. But I, but I also think the most important thing in that is to make sure you have the eye, eye on the prize. Look ahead. Mm-hmm. Look at the, where you want to go. And you'll figure out what needs to get out of the way, what needs to be delegated, what needs to be um, – uh, either just taken care of right now in order to get where you want to go. Um, otherwise, and it's hard, you know, like Father Hastings, who's our vicar of clergy and, and we're on Archbishop's leadership team together. He often says, I think my I, the way I'm wired is I jump from A to Z. Mm-hmm. So I know where I'm at today. And I, and I I'll constantly think about where I want to be at the end. Um, that's just, I have futuristic as one of my strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Hastings thinks from A to B. And he freely admits it and he owns it and loves himself in, in that way. And I love myself in my way. Um, but he is achiever. Like he's, he just, it's, well, what's next? I don't think about B. I think about Z and I think, well, we'll figure out B and C. So I understand like it might be a little bit easier for me to um, kind of get excited about vision than mm-hmm. that preferred future than that it is maybe for other people. So, um, but I think, you know, we all have to live out of our strengths and, and so I'll just do my best to just keep painting a picture for people. Like what if the, those churches right. were producing the fruit of missionary disciples that were 
uh, changing, changing lives and we're producing no priests and we never have to do this pastoral planning thing again. <laughs> well, you know, Father, I would, I would say there is a, there's a hierarchy to some of these elements. Uh, but I think you can come at it from a variety of perspectives, meaning for some people, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit, you alluded to the structures there. For some, because the structures are so tangible, again, you think about like the branches on the tree, is there a support structure in place to sustain the fruit? You know, as lives are impacted, is there a relational network around them? Um, are there routines, even the physical surroundings? And you can understand structures in a variety of ways. Are those things in place so that when people's lives are changed, uh, that they have what they need around them to continue to grow and flourish? For some people, those structures are the most obvious things in the world to them because of the way their minds are orientated and the way they're made. They recognize the gaps there and they can very quickly uh, make the remedy to, to those things. But I say, again, the structures, those are resting on, on, a, on a culture and that culture is really resting on a vision, right? That the, at the deepest level, and you're a very much a kind of a natural visionary leader, uh, Father Lorik, like you, you recognize vision and, you know, I know when, when we hang out, the best way for me to bore you is to start to talk about details. Uh, I can, you know, I can, uh, that's not the way your mind works. You're immediately, you can see the, you can see the, the future almost. And yeah. And let it be, let's be clear. Um, I, I might be a visionary leader with quotation marks around it, but I, I kind of stink at getting things done. <laughs> Just, you know, so yeah. So, but I have, you know, thankfully I have other people in my life that can help me to pull those things off, which I, yeah, anyway, just, I don't want yeah. to make it sound like a, you know, he's a visionary leader. He's, he, he's, <laughs> I kind of, I suck in a lot of ways. Later. Yeah. Let me be clear. I suck in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> there, uh, I mean, this is partially the reason why I think one of the structural elements uh, that is often lacking is some sort of shared leadership or, or teams. Because, right, nobody's a perfect leader. Nobody is perfectly well-rounded. Um, and in fact, when you look at, when you look at like great leaders uh, through history or through organizations, like they're actually exceptionally unbalanced people. They're really good at, at, a, few, uh, at a few disciplines and they, they have people around them that help, that help fill in their gaps and, com and complete them. And so, if we want to, we can think about structure just from the perspective of do you actually have some teams and some other people around you that complement your particular gifts and your charisms and help make uh, the leadership of the organization or the particular ministry sustainable. But also to make the vision come true. Right. 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 It's the structure of the people around you. That's, that's what you're talking about, right? When you're talking about structure, right. Yeah, You're talking about the things that are supporting for the fruit to happen. Well, and I so, mean, super, super practical. Like when something goes wrong, does everybody answer to father? Because if that's the case, father's putting out fires all day long. And un, unintentionally, we've often created uh, implicit or explicit organizational charts where everybody answers to the pastor. And... Every, and what that means is whenever anybody needs help, they have to go to the pastor. 
And there's a precious few who appreciate that. Um, you know, like they, they like the attention, they like the authority, but it gets exhausting really quickly. And, and, it's, and it's unsustainable because we can't, you can't sustain the fruit. I mean, again, it's like, it's like every, every, when every decision has to come through one person, that branch breaks pretty quickly and we lose the fruit. And I think that's what's happening. I don't think Jesus and the spirit are any less active in our parishes uh, than, you know, than the Acts of the Apostles or other great periods of renewal in history. But I think part of it is we've, and maybe it's American thing, I don't know, but the, you know, we, we kind of buy into this John Wayne uh, uh, all alone sort of hero thing. And we break ourselves trying to do ministry all alone. Uh, and if we leaned a little bit more into uh, our understanding that there are many parts in one body, uh, we, could, we could sustain, I think, some of the, the grace and the fruit that the Lord is giving, but that, frankly, I think is just lost. You know, during this quarantine time, I have been re-watching uh, and watching some of the newer episodes of Star Wars, and that, that's become very clear that everybody has a part to play for oh, yeah. the, the, the defeat of, you know, the, the empire or whatever. I don't, I don't, I, I don't geek out on it too much. I just noticed those things of uh, like, okay. I don't, I don't want to spoil since, it. I was since we're there, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, but I know Father Cook would really appreciate the this. The good weapon. guys win. <laughs> well, uh, kind of sometimes, I don't know. Um, but yeah, Luke might be the, you know, the, the, the spark of hope, <laughs> but he's, He's part of a large, like none of that would happen unless somebody actually did oh, yeah. something. You know? uh, I just, I think it's, there's, I know Father Cook uh, from Christ the King has many, many homilies. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> just well, waiting and, to come out. And uh, you know, on, I think part of what captures our imagination about any great movie like that, you know, somebody, somebody, I see some Lord of the Rings shout outs uh, too. <laughs> Whether it's Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, notice how often the hero is unexpected, right? In Star Wars, it's often R2-D2, you know, the shortest, uh, or the Ewoks or whatever. It's like, you know, like there's like this unexpected hero that saves the day. And same thing, right, in Lord of the Rings. I mean, I don't know if it's a height thing, whatever. I, I mean, like, the, you know, the hobbits, but there's like these unexpected heroes that show up. And again, back to our, our previous kind of conversation, if you're like, oh man, who am I? I'm not a king. You know, I'm not a great swordsman. I'm just a campus minister. At, you know, I'm just, no, actually, like you, part of the reason I think those movies speak to our hearts is they show the power of just a faithful contribution. For, okay, so somebody's not a fan of Ewoks. Anyway, they show the power. They were, they were essential. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, they show the power, right, of even the smallest and the littlest playing their role. So here's what I, I think, uh, Jim, is that uh, you just titled this thing, because this was your idea, best practices don't, don't always work, or best practices mm -hmm. aren't always the best practice. This was just an excuse so you could talk about leadership, culture, vision, and structure, which is really about team leadership. Right. That was, really, this okay. was just an excuse about talk, talk about those things, right? You got me. Well, so here's, like, full disclosure. I understand at some level, why people get scandalized, wondering, gosh, why all the attention on leadership and culture and structure and like, just give me the dang program. 
and tell me what I'm supposed to do. Um, I sympathize with that, except for that when you scratch a little bit deeper and anybody who's been in ministry for more than a couple of days is like, oh, okay, I get it. Because everybody's been there where they, they tried the cool thing. They tried the new curriculum. They tried the program and it didn't work. And, and if the Lord uses this, our conversation at all here, I hope what he does is he provides a little bit of an epiphany. So people are like, oh, okay, that's why it didn't work. And so I want to I leave people maybe with some questions. Like, what, what are some best practices that you tried? And you're like, I've been there, done that. It didn't work. If you do a little, little post-mortem, right? You do a little do a diagnostic here. You know, could it be that one of these elements was missing? Could it be that it was all on you and you didn't have a team around you and there wasn't structure to support uh, the, the good things that God did? You know, or, or could it be... Could it be that there was a, a culture that was, you know, that was at odds with what you were trying to do? Um, or maybe more pertinent, like what are some current practices that you're implementing right now that are at risk because of the lack of structure or leadership? Yeah, those are good questions. Um, it's not homework. You don't have to turn it in or anything like that, but you're, you're, you're more than welcome to um, well, read it. If you know, with, with a buddy with a pal, yeah. uh, yeah, have a discussion. I, I, my, my, my guess is that people already have been thinking about this the whole time. Mm. Like, wow, I, like I've tried a lot of things, which I thought I did them well and they didn't, they didn't work. And, uh, uh, so maybe I shouldn't try it again or, or maybe I need to just, just to see where, what was missing, what ingredient was missing. Yeah. And maybe it's, it's not because you didn't do it well. It's because some, maybe some of the other, branches were, were missing. Uh, so we've managed to, uh, to use that metaphor throughout this mm-hmm. whole equip cast, the tree metaphor. You know, uh, it, yeah. But it, I think it, it served us well. Well, and so we're going to upload, we've got an image uh, just to give you kind of like a visual here. Yeah. Just a, a tree where you can, it's like a cross section where you can see, yeah, this, this beautiful fruit that everybody wants. Um, you know, it's kind of surrounded by these leaves of best practice, but the, the structure in the trunk and the branches of the tree and the roots, uh, which are, you know, culture and uh, leadership and vision, uh, just a kind of a picture of that, that metaphor. We'll, we'll put that on the, on the, uh, on the blog, the show notes. Yep, that's equip.archomaha.org, and you can subscribe to uh, our blog there um, and share that with your other leaders in your parish, for sure, uh, if you're pastor, if you want. Um, uh, every week, I'll be, if we're, if we're going to keep doing these webcasts, I'll, I'll keep, uh, I'll just send our subscribers an email and say, here's how you register. We right. don't want to do the, the, uh, the URLs public anymore. Uh, so we mm-hmm. kind of want to keep those uh, just through emails. Uh, well, and as, we're as official <laughs> on, on Apple podcasts, aren't we now? Yes, we're official. We want to thank uh, David Hazen from our communications office. At the, it's not really an office. It's his office. <laughs> it's, he's yes. our uh, manager of communications for the Archdiocese of Omaha, David Hazen. And he got us uh, hooked up um, uh, to basically turn the, the audio of these into podcasts. So uh, right now, I believe it's on the, the Apple um, mm-hmm. platform. 
I've been looking on my, my Android platform. I have not been able to, to find the equip cast. I'll, I'll keep looking. I'm not sure how it all works, um, but Apple did approve it uh, last week. And so if you want to, if you don't want to have to watch and look at our ugly faces, uh, do it live, then then you, you don't oh, have Alex. to do that. <laughs> you can go ahead and just subscribe to the podcast, but we are live. We want to do these live because I think yeah. uh, the chats have really, uh, uh, enrich the our conversation uh, about mm-hmm. movies and just as we as we think and they're fun. Christine says so, um, yeah. and it's it's fun to have everybody uh, tune in. And I, as much as my my ego might be hurt, you know, like if I see people leave, oh, like I said something, and then I see somebody uh, exit <laughs> exit the webcast. Um, even if there's just a little bit of a crowd, it's just fun to talk about these things, um, yeah. uh, and and it's. It's extremely important uh, that we uh, we keep talking about what is it going to look like um, for us here in the Archdiocese of Omaha in our wildest dreams that the church would be it be one church. We'd all be working together to to that we'd be encountering Jesus, helping others to encounter mm-hmm. the life transforming encounter with Jesus, and we'd be equipping disciples that, that that those people in the pews, our best resources, are the best stewardship we could ever practice is the people in those pews who are living out the mission and transforming neighborhoods mm-hmm. and and families. And, and, uh, and then living mercy um, and just it, being Jesus on the street. So um, that's what this is all about. And so there's, there's a lots of different layers and pieces to it, but um, that's why we, we want to keep talking about it. Cause we're going to, we're going to keep talking about the preferred fruit we want to see in this archdiocese in this mm-hmm. church in Northeast Nebraska, not because it's my desire. The Archbishop says over and over again, uh, the vision was the work of the Holy spirit because mm-hmm. it's biblical. It's, it's not like, it's not like it was, uh, we just kind of made it up. It's like, just read the Bible and, 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 and God put it in our hearts and he put it in the hearts of the people to say, this is what this church could be. And let's let, let the Holy spirit move it. Um, so, um, that's how we want to keep doing it. So keep tuning in. We'll be here uh, next week. Uh, same time, three thirty. I am actually, uh, this is a best practice is to tease out your next episode. And I don't know yeah. what the next episode is. We're talking about, uh, I believe we're talking about Ewoks and <laughs> I think we're, right, we're going to do movie reviews. Cause that's so important. How yeah. movies relate to our lives. Yeah. Clearly um, we are not afraid of controversy. We're willing to go after Ewoks. So <laughs> you can trust our integrity. Yeah, so best practices to mention what we're going to do next. I don't know what it is. I just know what we're going to be here, and I know it's going to be pretty we're, good. We're, t- we're talking about delegation and raising up leaders. So if you were one of those people, you're like, crap, it's all on me. Uh, okay, we'll talk about how you fix that next time. How do you Great. delegate and how do you raise up leaders? All right. And again, if you don't want to tune in uh, and watch the live, you can catch us on equip.archomaha.org, or you can subscribe to our podcast uh, on the Apple podcast platform. God bless, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it.